This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Good morning from the International Fintech Conference uh, here in London. I'm Alistair Lukies, the Prime Minister's Business Ambassador for Fintech, and it's an enormous honour, uh, enormous honour to have Scott Morrison, the Treasurer to the great country of Australia, here in London. He's taken a detour home from Buenos Aires, which is very generous of him to um, to come back via London and, and become a co-signature on the fintech bridge just announced between the United Kingdom and Australia to further already outstanding ties in in trade, particularly around fintech. Scott, welcome. It was great to be here. Happy to take the long way home out of Argentina where we had the G20 and and to join Philip Hammond and yourself uh, to execute the fintech bridge today. It's very exciting. Australian fintech firms are really excited about it. We've been getting great feedback from them because they know that the UK has been a leader in this area for for many years now and uh, we've been taking on a lot of the changes that the UK have done and we think, you know, bettering them as well um, from a policy and regulatory point of view. But uh, everybody wins from this. I mean, if both UK and Australian fintech companies are doing better, we all we all win. Good. We're, we're used to losing out to Australia on the, <laughs> on the sports field, so that's fine. Um, Scott, just two seconds on 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 banking as mm. was and fintech of of the future, because you know our challenge and really out of the hottest fire comes the strongest steel. Our challenge here was that in two thousand and eight, you know, almost unforgivably, our banks you know, had a huge impact on on society in the financial crisis. Australia weathered that storm incredibly well for a number of reasons. And yet you still have your Royal Banking Commission. You need to look very closely at banking and how that evolves into the future of financial services. What what are you doing as treasurer to make sure you keep the balance? Because you can't have fintech without fin. You need a strong banking system, but you need innovation. The reason Australia survived the global financial crisis so successfully is because our banking and financial system was incredibly resilient. We had very good prudential architecture in place and regulation, uh, which meant our banks kept lending uh, during that storm. It was a very different event in Australia to what it was in the North Atlantic. Um, Very much it was a a North Atlantic event. And uh, in our part of the world, it was a very different experience. But, you know, we need to keep the balance of strong prudential regulation to ensure that our financial system remains incredibly resilient. But that's not a leave pass for being competitive or innovative or any of these things. And the scale of our banking system is different to obviously what it is in the UK and Europe and the United States. Uh, And that means we we have to, I think, pedal that little bit harder to ensure that we are encouraging innovation in this sector. I mean, and this is why fintech is so exciting because, yes, it does disrupt the traditional banking sector, but probably more excitingly, it goes into territory in the financial space that our large banks don't go into. And the SME sector, I think, is a classic example of that. Uh, But there are just so many more other applications. So what we have to do is just ensure that the regulators don't get into the way. They have a they have a, a fostering approach to this. Sure, we've got to look after consumer interests and we've got to make sure that people aren't getting taken for a ride and things like that. They expect that from the government. But you can do that and still let businesses get on and do what they do best, which is provide great products to customers who want them at a really competitive price. Exactly right. Well said. Last thing, Scott, you've got to get on a flight home, mm. long flight home. Um <laughs> Many people talk to us about Europe and Brexit and, you know, whatever happens, 
there. Um, you know, I spend my days reassuring people London and the UK is going to remain the hub for fintech. It's going to remain a very important part of the European community um, and also a very important home for fintech companies from all around the world. I also tell them that if they're looking to go into the most important economy in the world, Asia, <laughs> uh, the fastest growing economy in the world, somewhere where fintech solutions are absolutely ripe for deployment, mm -hmm. they should be basing themselves in Australia. And my recent visit down to see you there yeah, absolutely validated that for me. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with in terms of, to the UK companies, you know, Australia should be the place they're thinking about as their home? We are totally the crossroads uh, in, into Asia. I mean, Asia is a, is a part of the world we know well. Why? Because we live there. That's, that's where we've always been. And we have, a, I think, a, a much better insight into what's happening there than in, in many other parts of the world. Our businesses do. Our businesses are used to doing business there. Mm. So it's not just about financial technology. It's, a, it's about, I think, a, a broader corporate understanding. Um, and, you know, the diplomatic relations we have equally, very, very positive, very strong. So, look, that, that's an obvious, I think, benefit of the fintech bridge in the same way. I think you're right about what will happen in the UK. And, and, and I hope it's also right, because I think that's good for the global economy, for, for the city of London to continue to play the lead role that it has in financial services in this part of the world. So a leapfrog into Europe for those coming that way, but certainly a leapfrog into Asia for, for those coming the other way. And I think that's a synergy which is obvious. And so it was good to be able to ink it today. Very good. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you at the Rugby World Cup in Japan next year. Looking forward. Good on you, Al. All the best. Cheers. Thanks so much. Hi, Al. Morning, Sam. So perhaps for our, our listeners, you could explain a little bit about the role that you do both with Motive Partners and also with government. Yeah, sure. And, and first of all, um, many congratulations on, on the fantastic launch event early this week um, of the Innovation and Investment Hub that you guys have created in uh, Canary Wharf is fantastic facility. And the economic secretary of the treasury summed it up pretty well in his speech when he said, you know, environments like the one you've created are the difference between the alchemy and the fusion that create these amazing fintech businesses that we all admire so much compared to other parts of the world where perhaps people are trying to do it in isolation. So I think it's a fantastic facility. Yeah, I was asked a number of years ago to, to be one of the trade ambassadors, business ambassadors for the then prime minister and have continued that role with the current prime minister. And it sounds very grand. It's it's not particularly, it's just a, an opportunity for me to, to use some of the experience I've gained in fintech over the last 20 years to work with government officials and civil servants and ministers and the embassies and, and our fantastic real ambassadors, our, our trade ambassadors and in-country ambassadors around the world to make sure that we are creating the right alignment, the right associations um, and the right alliances with countries so that our entrepreneurs and our fintech businesses can really look at the globe as one big domestic market. The advantage, I suppose, that I have over some people that already do huge amounts of good work in, in, in spreading the UK PLC message is that as a, a member of the Global Advisory Council for Motive, I'm also familiar with what the investment theses are, where the capital is being put to work, what's the difference between a business that's got truly sustainable business models and perhaps some that are here today and gone tomorrow. So blending those two roles, I think, you know, gives me a very fortunate perspective on what's happening in the world of fintech. You talk about global hubs and some countries having to build their hubs in isolation rather than having the good fortune of proximity between tech, regulation uh, and financial services that we have here. 
Congratulations today on the huge announcement of the fifth FinTech Bridge. Can you tell us about some of the, some of the work that's gone into building that? I know it's been a, a long work in progress. Yeah, thank you. And it's, it's a huge milestone for, I, I believe, for the whole FinTech community globally. And as you rightly say, it's the fifth bridge. We've had four um, previous agreements with China, um, with Singapore, Hong Kong and South Korea. But I think it's fair to say that this bridge, which has been 14 months in the making, is the most ambitious. It's the most uh, deep bridge. It, it covers all the areas that I think matter to, to the fintech community globally. So government to government, regulator to regulator, business to business and people to people considerations. What we're really trying to do with these fintech bridges is connect the UK, London and the whole of the UK, which is unarguably the number one fintech center in the world, with other like-minded environments, environments where they have a strong financial services capital, they have right touch regulation, they have an open regulator, they have a sandbox. And, and ideally, what we'd like to see is that if I'm an entrepreneur in Sydney or in Melbourne, I see London as really just part of my domestic market. If I'm in Singapore, I see Sydney as part of my domestic market. Because you know, that way, we can really see solutions that are built for, for the good of all society, rather than perhaps in other parts of the world, you know, tech for tech's sake and disruption for disruption's sake, rather than thinking about this collegiate ecosystem, as you rightly say, in London particularly, we're so fortunate that in one day you can go from Canary Wharf, the unarguable centre of fintech, to the City of London, the unarguable centre of financial services, to Westminster, the unarguable most open regulatory environment in fintech in the world, to some of the world's largest tech companies, and then to Heathrow to go off and export your, your business. And you can do that all in one day. So... We're very fortunate if you go to Australia, it's not dissimilar across Melbourne and Sydney. And so combining our energies at, at this very strategic level, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Philip Hammond, and Scott Morrison, the Treasurer from Australia, here today at the International FinTech Conference sponsored by, by Motive, to announce this bridge is a real milestone in the industry. Earlier on today, we heard from Rishi Kozler of, uh, of Oak North talk about the difference in the US and UK attitudes towards growing businesses. A number of, of the different conversations today have centered around how we can help foster and bring out more unicorns in the UK. What are some of the things you think we need to do to encourage people to grow their companies and ultimately to make sure that the unicorn count climbs in the UK? It was an interesting talk this morning. The word unicorn gets banded around a lot. And whilst I'm a, a huge admirer of any anyone, any group of people that uh, builds a billion dollar uh, plus company. What excites me most about our space and, and this sort of golden rule of two ears, one mouth, you know, 10% of a big number being a lot better than 100% of nothing. It's not about the individual. Um, you know, a lot of people want to talk about their success and talk about what they've done and, um, you know, their journey to, to unicorn heaven. I'm interested in businesses that understand their role in the ecosystem. They understand that they're a pebble in a pond. They understand that by building technology that can last and that helps consumers, in some cases, trade their way out of poverty, that's much more important than the amount of capital raised or the market cap or the valuation. And so, you know, one of the things that I admire in many of the entrepreneurs in the fintech space is that they've, over the last five, six years, started to understand that if you work with the industry, if you work within the regulatory environments, if you look at the distribution of the large banks, because you can't have fintech without fin, then you can actually have a really big societal impact without having to do it all yourself. And you mentioned earlier other parts of the world, you know, there are parts of the world where it is just about how do I 
attack. How do I destroy an industry? How do I do it quicker, faster, better? That's not really what, what fintech's about. One of the things that, that keeps on being brought up around the topic of Brexit is talent. We've been blessed in the UK with having fantastic talent, both domestic and international on our shores, originally attracted by the financial services ecosystem, but increasingly so around the financial technology ecosystem. What do you think we can do to continue to nurture talent, both through the ranks, but also to attract international people in the UK? Yeah, it's a superb question. And, you know, talent comes in many forms. Uh, I think it's dangerous to think of talent as as just the kind of highest skilled jobs. It's about people that want to work collegiately. It's about people that understand global challenges. I think one of the most beautiful, wonderful things about the great city of London and the UK more broadly, but certainly London, is it's got to be one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the world. And fintech is not about an innovation island. It's not about one country. It's not about one solution. It's not about one bank. It's about society more globally. And if you've got people from all different walks of life with different skill sets who can come together, share some of their learning, share some of their experiences of life, share, you know, growing up in a completely different environment, when they then apply that thinking and experience to fintech solutions, it means that the solutions we're building as a nation are relevant to the world, not just to ourselves. And And so the responsibility of the government, and it was great to hear Philip Hammond talk about it this morning in the context of the FinTech Bridge with Australia, the government has to, you know, Brexit, soft Brexit, hard Brexit, whatever Brexit, the government has to make the UK the most accessible and and business and talent friendly environment in the world if we're going to continue to take our lead in FinTech. The listeners will know you by reputation, not just as someone who's who's spent much time working on government initiatives, but also on your previous entrepreneurial efforts and, and successes. You're one of the UK's most well-known entrepreneurs in this space. And I know that people are always looking out for what the latest trend is. Could you perhaps shed some light on, on what you think the big trends over the next 12, 18, 24 months are going to be in our sector? Yeah, I think, again, you have to think and look deeply into the business models and the challenges of the incumbency. So much innovation um, is about trying to reinvent and recreate the wheel. Yeah, the wheel's not broken. <laughs> the financial services industry, you know, whilst it had a very um, tough time in 2008 and, you know, everyone was very disappointed with it, still provides an enormous amount of our GDP, creates huge amounts of jobs, pays a lot of taxes. The trends that, that I see are the fusion and the alchemy that bring in together of the fintech companies with the banks, not just to create new technology and new platforms, but actually new business models. Most of the CEOs and the CFOs of the banks that I talk to are looking ahead to, you know, three, four years down the line. What is it that we have in our armory? What is it we have in our business model that excites investors? And it's been a very volatile period of time, whether that's because of geopolitical actions, what's happened in 2008, fears about tier one capital, fear, fear about global banking. Actually, you know, many banks now have to look at are there average revenue per user business models? Is it share of wallet business models? Are they supermarket models where the bank is the shelves and other people put products on them? Because it's not by coincidence the five largest companies in the world by market cap are technology ecosystem businesses. Ecosystem businesses are about matching buyers and sellers. The banks originally were built 
and designed within local communities to provide banking services, yes, but also act as an exchange between small businesses and consumers. That is what I think we're going to see happen over the next three to five years. Banks saying it's time again that we connected the businesses we provide services for with the consumers that want to consume those goods. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. And, and just a final shout out, perhaps. Are there people today from Treasury and from the other uh, supporting organisations that you'd like to thank and recognise for their incredible efforts pulling together what really is the preeminent fintech conference in Europe? And not just the conference. The conference is incredible. I mean, you look at the audience here, you look at the number of companies profiling their, their products here, you look at the representation from governments, not just our own global political leaders. But this fintech bridge as well, you know, Gwyneth Nurse and her team, Phil Vidler, you know, who very rarely get the, the credit and plaudits they deserve. You know, they're very, very passionate about the space. They are very open to working. And that hasn't always been the case in our country or in other political environments. You know, it takes a lot. You know, it takes a beginner's mind, really, to open yourself up to working with the private sector when you also have a responsibility to protect consumers and to regulate and uh, I think Gwyneth and her team are fantastically open thinkers. Yeah, also, I, I would mention people like Omar Ali at EMY, who, as well as his day job, um, you know, does a huge amount of work for the good of, of uh, the nation and for our fintech community. And also, you know, finally, because it's related to this fintech bridge, Charles Bowman, the 690th Lord Mayor of London, and his team um, have done a huge amount for this fintech bridge. Thank you very much indeed. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motive partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.